I think I've got one of these to everybody. I've, I've got the, the reading schedule that Carl had printed off. I think I've handed one out. If you don't have one, let me know. We're not going to dig into it. I just wanted it for reference uh, today for the lesson. Um, <clears throat> the, the providence of God is amazing in uh, how he works things out. Um, I appreciate the class that we've had today, uh, the focus on having the right heart to seek God and His Word. Um, in that context, um, again, com uh, comments that Lisa had made about, you know, this is something that we share together. We're sharing in the Word because we don't know it all. None of us know it all. And so it's, it's something that we share together. Um, and, and also Rick's uh, exhortation uh, Tuesday night was talking about, you know, this thing. We're together in this. It, it, we need this connection. We need it with each other. Um, in, <clears throat> I want to read these few verses. Uh, Psalm 119, beginning in verse 1, says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in His ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look on all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your words I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinance of ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in all your test in, in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts, precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. <clears throat> I think our coming together, everybody that's here, that's why we're here. You know, um, as mentioned earlier, we all come from different backgrounds, different experiences, both physically in this world, our life experiences, but also our religious experiences. We've come from different places. This is what's brought us together. And, and so it's with that, uh, I want to share a few thoughts. I, I had debated on, on which direction to go with this. Um, I, and I don't think I necessarily need to do this with this group. Um, you know, why do we study God's Word? Why do we spend time in God's Word? Well, this passage from Psalm just expressed it. Psalm 1, the psalmist says that the one who meditates in God's Word, that's where he delights, he spends his time there, he will bear fruit in its season. We want to, as, as Grady prayed, we want to reflect God's character in our lives because of what he's done for us. 
How do we make that happen? We keep planting the seed of his word in our hearts. The fruit will come. God will bring the increase. Um, why else? Well, we think about, all right, the end of, end of the, the Sermon on the Mount. We're all familiar with the children's song. You know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Talking about building it upon Christ and his teachings. Why? Because the storms of life are going to come. And whether we're able to weather them or not depends upon what our house is built on. If it's built on God and his word, that storm can beat on us all we want. Just like um, Grady in our Lord's Supper, what gave Christ the strength to go to the cross? He was troubled in spirit, but he went there. Why? He knew he was fulfilling God's will and what he was doing. He was able to weather the storm. Okay? Um, a psalm that I've come across in recent years, and this kind of expresses the same thought, um, and, and see, if, see if you can identify with this. Psalm 143 says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me. In your righteousness enter not into judgment with your servant. For no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me to sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder on the works of your hands. I stretched out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. This psalmist is pouring his heart out. He says, you know, I've... I feel like the, the story of the Good Samaritan. I feel like the man that was beat up and left to die beside the road. You know, Satan's left me like that. But then, wait a minute, God, I remember what you've done. That's where the strength has to come from. Um, it comes from him, knowing him. Uh, One last thought on that, and, and this is why I appreciate uh, Carl preparing this reading schedule for us. <clears throat> this is something we need to be in and be sharing every day. Another reason, and again, I think most are familiar with this. If we go to Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You plant the right seed in your heart, in your mind. Why do we do that? Romans 12, verse 1. Paul calls upon it. You know, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord. If I get up in the morning, and this is the first thing that I look at, and I stop, and I pray, I've renewed my mind, and I've prepared to offer myself as a living sacrifice that day. That's why. So, enough of that. Um,
So if, if you've been following along with this reading schedule this, this, this year, we just completed week five. So what I want us to do, and if you've got your Bibles, uh, please follow along. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Um, passages are going to come from week four and week five in this reading schedule. The, the scripture that David read for us is from Psalm 105. Um, before we get into that, everything we've covered so far this year in this reading schedule, it's covered creation, it's cr covered Adam and Eve sinning, it's covered Noah and the flood, God choosing Abraham, and God being with Abraham and his descendants. Uh, this past week, we've read Exodus 1 through 15, which talks about, you know, there came a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph, and so he enslaved the children of Israel in Egypt, and it talks about how God brought them out of Egypt. So that's been our, in our reading so far. So with that in mind, again, let us go back to Psalm 105, because I don't want to read all 15 uh, chapters in Exodus this morning. So Psalm 105 summarizes it. But listen to it again. Um, I'll tell you what, to simplify some things. David read the first eight verses. Well, let, let me begin with verse uh, 7. Let's start with 7 instead of reading all of them again. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. When he summoned a, a famine on the land and broke all the supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The rulers of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and the ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them, the miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke there, and, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. 
He gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke and the locust came, the young locust without number. He devoured all the vegetation in their land and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of all their strength. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread upon them had for dread of them had fallen upon on it. He spread out a cloud for a covering, a fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quail. He gave them bread from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and the water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations. And they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. So again, this psalm summarizes everything from, from God's entering to this covenant with Abraham to his bringing them out of the land of Egypt and bringing them to the land of Canaan and giving them possession of that land. God's faithful in what he was doing. Um, I want us to see this. This is a foreshadowing of what God does in the New Testament through Christ. And we'll get to this in a minute. So this is him dealing with this physical nation that he established through the descendants of Abraham. God's faithfulness, his promises, his protection, his keeping his word. So if you will... Turn with me, and this was in week four's reading, but turn with me over to Galatians chapter 3. And, and we're going to read all of chapter 3, so beginning in verse 1. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the law, excuse me, the one who does them shall live by them. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if, the law, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Chapter 3 says what we just read in, in the Old Testament is fulfilled in us through Christ. So we think, back, we think back to what God did in how he brought the children of Israel out of bondage. They were enslaved in Egypt. Well, Galatians says, you know, but the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 23 now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith that would be revealed. And that comes through Christ. So let me jump back to, to Psalm 105. I want to read this passage now, but I want you to remember what we read in Galatians 3. Okay? So with, with Galatians 3 in, in the back of your mind, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him, sing praises to Him, tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength, seek His presence continually. 
Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever and the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. And now towards the end of the, the uh, chapter, or Psalm, verse 42. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. In verse 45, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. And Galatians says, we're the sons of Abraham. God's provided an even greater deliverance for us. Because it's not just that he gave, he had, not just that he's given us a promised land like he gave them the promised land of Canaan, that they might go there, they dwell. The promises that we have is that now we're reconciled with God. We're in a relationship that's restored to God because he took care of our sin. He delivered us from the, the bondage that we were in from sin. It's a far greater blessing, a far greater promise. We have the spiritual fulfillment of what he did through Abraham and his descendants in the Old Testament. We have the substance of it. We have the eternal part of that, if you will. Um, and again, this is all within our first five weeks of, of our reading this year from God's Word. This is what God's doing. God has done and God is doing. Again, with that in mind, turn with me over to the book of Ephesians because this, this past week, week five, included reading the first three chapters of Ephesians. So go with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ." as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. 
Again, these first 14 verses of Ephesians talk about this is what God's done. And I like the end of verse 5, according to the purpose of his will. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ. And he had it planned before the foundation of the earth. Verse 4. So before, you know, we've, we've read Genesis 1 up through Exodus 15. Before any of that, God already had this planned. And God has fulfilled it. He's given it to us. Then Paul starts in verse 15 with this prayer. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and, and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that at, at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might, might create in himself one new man 
in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So again, he's fulfilling the promises to Abraham and that he's done this Paul's prayer is that we know this, we understand this, we share this. And in it, he's brought both Jew and Gentile together. As it said, he's done this for both, those who are far away and those who are near. He's done it for everybody. They're now reconciled to God through Christ. That's the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. Not just what he did for the descendants of Abraham in Exodus but what he's done for us, made possible for us. Why? Other than the fact we know he loves us. Other than the fact God has a, has a purpose. Again, Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on, your, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God, who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you, not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, you being rooted and grounded in love, may may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all, than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says the purpose of this, his purpose, Paul's purpose, was he was given this stewardship to make this known. And then he goes on, again, reading again, verse 7 through 10, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the, the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Can't we make that same statement? This ministry has been given to us. This stewardship has been given to us. Even though we're not worthy either. It's not because of us. Verse 9, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In heaven and on earth. It's made known in heaven when we make it known on earth. <laughs> I appreciate that puzzled look. Thank you. Um, what do I mean by that? We're not fighting against principalities and powers on this earth. We're fighting against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We have enemies that are in the spiritual realm. Okay? So when we do God's will here, and we say that we're standing with God, we're telling those in the spiritual realm who are opposed to God, we serve God. We're serving the one who has done this, who makes it possible. We're not giving in. We're not being conformed to this world. We're being transformed. And we are offering ourselves up as living sacrifices to Him by serving each other, by strengthening each other with this Word. That's God's purpose. God's purpose in putting us here on this earth is to be images of Him here. And yes, there are those who have rebelled against God. He's given them free free will as well as He's given us free will. They've rebelled against Him in the, in the spiritual realm within the heavenly places. When we remember what He's done for us, are we going to be standing with Him? Or are we going to let the world twist us and, and make us into what the world wants us to be and what the evil forces in the heavenly places want us to be? Or are we going to be what the one who created us and gave us all these things created us and, and desires for us to be? But I, I want to just see that. 
This came from the Bible reading we're doing. This is what brought us together. So the only question I would have, based on what we've read today from both the New and the Old Testament, are you a child of Abraham? Have you come to Jesus through faith in Jesus, through faith in God? Have you put Christ on through baptism? Are you Abraham's offspring? Are you an heir according to the promise? You can be, if you're not.